Welcome to the Ortho Joe Show, a joint production of the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery and Ortho Evidence. In our world, orthopedic research is king, and current topics from our respective publications are analyzed weekly. Here is Mohit Bandari from Ortho Evidence and Mark Swinkowski from the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. Well, another bright and early morning uh, here in the upper part of the United States. And uh, I think we're north of you there in uh, Hamilton. Um, you are. In, in the due north. And uh, this morning, um, it's been a wonderful morning. And uh, as always, we kind of we kind of need the kick of the caffeine. Uh, Tom, I don't know if you got your coffee ready, but one of the big deals about the, being interviewed for Ortho Joe is you, you're going to have your very own Ortho Joe mug sent to your your home address. So um, I got a little bit of excitement this morning because we had a faculty meeting. We were talking about all these uh, important patient care metrics. And two of the topics that they brought up, one was uh, the appropriate use of first-generation cephalosporins as the prophylaxis of care and you know, sort of minimizing this penicillin allergy thing. And also fascioiliac blocks for a hip fracture patient. I was just thinking, these are topics that we have recently published on in the journal and in OE. And, uh, yeah. you know, I think the stuff we do is really, really important anyway. Uh, and, at least some people are paying attention. And, 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 I, and I will just give a tidbit about this, you know, our decision to do at least one cup. But, you know, Mark, we might think to think about adding a couple of average cups because a recent study out of McMaster published in Nature Communications, can you believe, says more coffee is better for your heart. So, Fill them up, fill them up. That's um, all I say. I am all in, absolutely all in. <laughs> but so, and another exciting thing about this morning is we have a special guest, a long time friend of ours, both, uh, Dr. Tom Einhorn, uh, recovering chair uh, of orthopedic surgery at Boston University. I think Tom got out on an early release program about five or six years ago, something like that. But uh, Tom was also the founding editor of JBJS Reviews. Uh, and we're going to uh, ask Tom a couple of things about the journal that he developed and where, where it's at today. And then we're also going to ask him to riff a little bit on his uh, newfound, uh, or not newfound, but uh, turning, turning back to a, a prior love uh, in uh, music. So uh, last uh, uh, year, or beginning of the year, we started a new article type of the What's Important uh, theme called Arts and Humanities. And Dr. Bandari was kind enough to provide the first submission, a, a self-portrait with a very reflective piece. And uh, Bob Skank uh, from the University of New Mexico is the editor and uh, has a lengthy experience uh, with uh, arts and humanities publications at University of New Mexico. And uh, I understand that you saw that uh, piece and, and you communicated with Mo. So uh, Mo, maybe you yeah. can... Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Well, I mean, so I had put this out there and I think Mark, when we had spoken, you know, we had said, let's, you know, let's be honest and look back with some degree of reflection. I don't think that, uh, well, I feel that we, all of us still have lots to offer, um, but maybe in a different way. And I'm looking back at my own life and I entitled it a look in the mirror. And I'll remember, I think it was literally within a, maybe within that same evening that it came out, I got uh, a very, very nice email from Tom Einhorn. I won't go into all the, 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 the bits, Tom, but just to remind you, you had written, your opening line to me was, uh, Mo, you know, thanks for writing that piece. I look in the mirror, your story really resonates with me. 
And then you had me in the next sentence. And I want to hear more about the next sentence that you said. You said, I was 17, played guitar in a rock band, and you went on and on. So I want to hear about a little bit about, you know, just um, how it is that you got into medicine when you could have been touring the world as a rock star. So you have to give me some insight here. And it looks like you've gone back to your roots. So maybe you could talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, it would have been nice if things went that way. But um, <laughs> I, I guess I, I, won't, I won't second guess what career I should have done. But um, when I was, um, I think I was about 14, um, my parents told me that they wanted me to learn a musical instrument. And um, it didn't matter what, what musical instrument it was, but they insisted that I start taking lessons in a musical instrument to sort of round out my development. So I chose the guitar because the same day that my parents told me they wanted me to do this, I was walking down the street and I noticed a, a, a guy sitting, it was, it was a beautiful spring day. He was sitting on a grassy knoll with about three or four good looking girls around him and he was playing guitar. And I figured this sounds like it, this looks like a good thing to do. So I chose the guitar and I, I started taking lessons. I was sort of half interested in what I was doing, but then in 1964, an interesting group of four guys from England came out called the Beatles. They overtook the airways in the United States. And here I was already learning the instrument. And it was, it was an easy thing for me to do, to move over and start playing some Beatles songs. I had a, a bunch of friends in high school who played other musical instruments and we started a band. Um, we, I also joined a, a folk group and throughout the beginning of the 1960s, I was learning to become a guitarist and I, I had a pretty good singing voice and sing some songs. Um, then what happened is that there was a, a guy um, who used to promote concerts in New Jersey. I, I grew up in New Jersey. He, he would pr promote these concerts and the band that I was in would be the warm-up group. So I actually was in the warm-up band for a bunch of pretty cool bands like the Association, Cream. Um, oh. Yeah, they, they played it. That was, that was, and, and The Who. And oh. I'll tell you. That was, that, so that you was, played some big venues then, Tom. You mean, there were well, been. Well, I, I, one, of the, one of the greatest moments of my life was we were, we were doing the warm-up for the, the Who in uh, Fairleigh Dickinson College in New Jersey. And um, I was talking to a guy named Peter Townsend, who's a lead guitarist. <laughs> and when I, got, when I got up to walk away, he actually stood up to shake my hand before I left. He's, he's just a courteous guy. But to think that Pete Townsend would stand up when I moved away made me feel great. Um, it turns out that uh, we, were, we were four guys in, the, in this group. I played rhythm guitar. It was a lead guitarist, a bassist, and a drummer. Um, the lead guitarist and the, and the bass player became 
professional musicians and to this day still are professional musicians in New Jersey. Um, I had to join the musicians union and the only union I ever joined in my life, but I was a member of the musicians union and the, that same musicians union, local 16, the musicians guild of New Jersey is still active. Um, the drummer was a casualty of the 1960s. He died of drug abuse the year after our band broke up. And uh, I went to college and um, it was the beginning of the Vietnam War. And so um, I had to get serious about my studies, otherwise I was gonna get drafted. So I, I gave up music to, uh, to study and that's where the beginning of my medical career took off. But during my high school days when I was playing in the band, I was not the greatest student in the world. I used to do a half hour of homework a night and play guitar for three hours. And um, it was hard for me to make the adjustment, but I, that came. But somehow when I made that adjustment, there was, there's really no excuse for it. I, I didn't keep up the guitar. It was a big, it was a huge part of my life that I just sort of let go. Mm. Well, sometime during my residency, I met another orthopedic surgeon, an orthopedic resident named Ron Grelsimer, who to this day is one of my best friends. And he, he was a guitarist as well. And when I, when, when I told him that I was gonna retire from orthopedics, um, he made a big argument that I should go back to the, to the guitar and uh, find some purpose in doing that. And um, I, I, I wasn't sure how I wanted to approach it, but through Ron, I found a sound engineer who has a girlfriend who is a graduate of the, of a, the various conservatories of music in New York and Boston. And um, one thing led to the other, and it turns out that we decided to start recording some songs. And so we recorded that song that I sent you. Yeah. And uh, tonight we're doing more work on that. So I meet with the sound engineer once a week, practice in between sessions. And uh, I, well, I'm just doing this to have a good time. I'm not planning on doing anything else with it. Although um, the sound engineer that I, that I work with uh, is going to get us some gigs to do in some of the bars around the Upper East Side of New York. Just, uh, I mean, I'm not, not, not making any money on it. I'm just going <laughs> to go out there and have, have a good time. But that, but that is the heart of rock and roll, isn't it? Just to have a good time. So that's, that's awesome. I'll, I'll tell you something, Tom. So, um, and Mark, I don't think I've ever told you this. So in, in high school, I decided to take up drumming, like really try to be, become a drummer. And my parents, you know, so I bought my first little three-piece set and my parents were freaking out. They're saying, you're making too much racket. It's too loud. <laughs> and, and I didn't have enough money at that time to get a thing. So I said, okay, I've got to find a way to get an electric set, which back then was maybe a thousand dollars. They're like, you know, 20,000 now, but that was a lot of money, you know, for me back in the uh, early eighties. So to your point, Tom, I said, you know, if I just buckle down and get a scholarship to university, I'll use, I'll blow that whole scholarship. I'll stay at home and I'll blow the whole scholarship money, which is $2,000. And I'll buy myself an electronic drum set. So I bought the first Rolling drum set after getting a scholarship and I stayed at home and everyone was happy and I gave it up. Like, so I, I have, I have right now in my basement, Tom, 
a Roland drum set. A drummer without a band is who I am right now. <laughs> but you've given me you've given me great hope that I can maybe one day pick it up. But right now, um, it's about your story, not mine. But it, it resonated when you said, you know, um, you know, it just resonated with me. Everything you've done has resonated. And I wonder if, like, for those residents and others listening in who all have similar stories, you know, they go back and they think, I used to do this. I used to have this great hobby. For you, I mean, even though you gave it up and, and you've come back to it, how do you think it helped you just in being, you know, uh, in medicine? And, you know, I always talk about some of these creative pursuits as being really important to me. And I wonder how it helped you just in, in the way you did. You were always, to me, an amazing presenter and continue to be. You know, you'd be on a stage, both you and Mark, you know, but when I'm talking about you specifically right now, you had a presence about you. It's almost like you, the stage was a very a comfortable place for you. And I wonder if some of your performing just made you more comfortable in front of people. Well, that's, that's absolutely right. Um, I, I started, well, you know, it, it takes a lot of guts to, to walk up to a microphone and sing a song. And so I got over that fairly easily. And by the time I was 15 years old, I was very comfortable speaking in front of audiences. Uh, and I remember um, during, and, and when I was in high school, I took a class in public speaking uh, and it, I did very well in it um, because I think I had this experience from being in a band, uh, announcing songs, singing songs, um, that, that, that did really support my future career when I would be giving talks to um, professional societies and associations. So uh, you're right, that, 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 that's really how, how I found it to be helpful. I also think that the, uh, the skill associated with playing a musical instrument, the manual dexterity, if you will, um, is promoted by playing a musical instrument uh, and uh, using those same skills to perform surgical procedures. So I, I think that that's a little bit more difficult to make a direct connection, but I think that that certainly didn't hurt. Um, but standing up in front of a group and feeling comfortable in front of a large group, uh, yeah, that, 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 that was something that was helped by my career in, in, in music. Tom, I, I got to ask you, what was the name of your, your group uh, earlier in your career? What, what was your name? The Calliope. Calliope. Are you, so I've got to ask you, are you, have you had any discussions with uh, old, old band members of putting the band back together? Um, no, um, I, I haven't done that. What, what I'm thinking, what were the, the ensemble that we're developing uh, would be me playing rhythm guitar, um, the sound engineer, whose name is Bruno Sutter. I want to give him his credit. Um, he, play, he played lead guitar. Um, his, uh, his uh, I think, I, I don't want to say fiance, I'll say significant other, um, is the pianist. Uh, we have a drummer doing drum tracks in Pennsylvania sending it in by mail that, that we, um, for the recording. Uh, and um, uh, we've got a, uh, a woman who plays um, violin uh, and we're gonna work her into this as well. Well, I, I understand that there's a drummer who's looking for a gig 
Uh, so <laughs> might, well, if I ever get to New York, if I get to New York, I'm 100% going to find a way to uh, connect with you, Tom, and we're going to have to do something, or at least let me listen and be a fan. You know, yeah. that's pretty, I want to shake the hand that shook Pete Townsend's hand. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's it's been an absolutely great uh, discussion. And uh, Tom, thanks for uh, your outstanding work as the editor of David Jets Reviews. But I think the latter half of the conversation is is even more important. And I just have to, again, give credit to Mo for pointing, pointing out uh, to the orthopedic community the, the, the very, uh, very, very important uh, issue of life balance uh, and uh, pursuing creative pursuits and, and how it really makes us all better humans and better physicians and better surgeons. So Mo, kudos. Uh, I, I continue to read your LinkedIn posts and they're, they're very impressive. Uh, and uh, um, thanks for doing that for the orthopedic community. But now I'd like to change topics. So first of all, Tom, what orth, uh, JVJS Reviews was, what, 2013, I think? That's, I think uh, so. You start? Yeah. Is that, is that right? Uh, yes. Sounds about right. Yeah. So, so nine years. Uh, and uh, it's a you know, highly cited uh, publication. Um, and I think when you started, you, you really had to kind of hunt for content. But you know, I don't think you have to do that anymore, but maybe there's a few things yeah, you're looking for. So why don't you just let the audience uh, know kind of where you're at with JVJS reviews and, and where you'd like to see a little more content. Sure. Well, my involvement with JVJS reviews back in 2013, when, we initiate, when it was initiated, probably stemmed best from my experience as the deputy editor for current contest reviews. Right that I did for about a decade before we started this new journal. But one of the things that ha has always impressed me about the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery per se is that unlike most journals where the purpose is a scholarly communication to talk about new knowledge, new findings, new evidence, et cetera, the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery achieved those goals, but also was used by the reader to determine what he or she was going to do in the operating room the next day. And that made me feel a heightened sense of responsibility, not only for the variety of topics that we would choose, but the quality of the information that we would communicate and package that into a communication that talks about how good the evidence is for performing this procedure or that procedure or not performing a procedure. So much so that I, I there are times, and you, you might've seen this yourself, um, I go into the operating room and sitting there on, the, on a, a Mayo stand might be the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. And someone would be reading what it said in the conclusions or in the discussion section during the midst of an operation. Have you, have you ever experienced anything like that? Yeah, for, for, particularly for procedures that aren't very commonly done. I, I have to admit, I recently did it myself for a sternoclavicular ligament reconstruction procedure, which is something I've done less than half a dozen times. So yeah, I've done it myself. And so as, as the editor of this new journal uh, and in association with the associate editors who support it, um, we have a heightened, I think, a heightened sense of responsibility for what we publish, not only that it be good, that it be uh, accurate, that it be based on good evidence, 
but that the way in which it's communicated uh, is such that it allows us to improve our patient care directly. Um, now, one, one of the things that I, I don't have an explanation for, and it's a good thing, but I, I don't have an explanation for, is that when we moved from being, when I moved from being the deputy editor for current concepts reviews for JBJS to being the editor of JBJS reviews, I thought I was gonna have a hard time getting articles because with I felt I was always hand to mouth with the current concepts reviews. But somehow, and I don't have an explanation for it, when we started a new journal, the orthopedic community embraced it and started sending a lot of unsolicited narrative reviews. Um, and the quality was very good. And so I've got a good problem, which is that I've got enough articles to fill the pages and the quality is very good that I, I think that the um, future is very bright and the responsibility we have is to is to maintain the level of evidence and and the excellent grades of recommendation for the procedures that we perform and the treatments that we render so is there are there any topics uh, or types of articles that you you'd like to see a, a little more submission yes material? absolutely there are two types of articles that we'd like to see more submissions for one is the uh, critical analysis reviews. In a critical analysis review, you, you have a four types of articles, a good, a, a level A, B, C, or, or I. A is good evidence with consistent findings for or against recommending an intervention, a, an article based on level one studies, uh, a grade B would be fair evidence with, for, it would be composed mostly of level two and level three studies. C is poor quality evidence, level four or five studies. And then I, there's insufficient evidence to make any recommendation. That's a very hard format. And I think that it leads to a, a very valuable article at the end of the day. The other type of article that we are interested in is the um, team approach article. And that's, and I, and I think it's, I, I, I really need to take my hat off to you, Mark. This, that was initially your idea. And the idea is that the co-management of patients would be depicted in these articles. So we would see how different subspecialists would interact with the primary care physician or the, uh, primary doctor, depending on what the medical problem was, that would al allow uh, a, the input of several providers to give a comprehensive overview of a topic and hone in on the key points that need to be addressed. Just, just as an aside, before I became the chairman of orthopedics at Boston University, I probably looked at a half dozen different jobs. And the one thing that I, I remember was, I, I would see from place to place is that the heads of the departments of medicine were very interested in co-management of patients. And this is something that I think has really taken hold and has really blossomed throughout medicine 
And I think it's a very good thing. And we'd like to use the journal of bone and joint surgery reviews to highlight those kinds of articles. One of, one of the challenges is getting reviewers to understand the purpose of the team approach article, because the way we set it up is we have a case presentation and then using that case, the different uh, subspecialists would interact to come up with the best team approach for the problem. So I, I have to say, I, I cut a lot of slack to those articles when they come in because the reviews sometimes are very negative. Uh, and what I know is happening is that the reviewer doesn't get it. So that, that, that's something for us to work on. Yeah, I think it's, a, uh, it's the way we practice, right? You know, I, I know some of the problems that you've highlighted in that area is like prosthetic joint infection. What's the perspective of the infectious disease doctor? What's the perspective of the surgeon? What's the perspective right. of the uh, physiatrist, et cetera, et cetera. So it's the way we practice. And I, <laughs> I, I'm sure you're gonna uh, get a lot more submissions uh, uh, for this uh, because we just need to get the word out that this is an article type that we're looking for. Right. So Tom, you've done a fabulous job as editor of JBGS Reviews and uh, it continues to be very, very strong and you deserve a whole lot of credit for this. Um, thank, and, you. Uh, thank you for doing that. So. Tom, we wish you uh, all the best as a continued Thank work you. as an editor. And uh, even more, we look forward to, I hope you'll share some of your recordings with, with us at least. Um, and let us know which bars you're going to be in. And maybe we'll. <laughs> that would be and, fun. That would be yeah, fun. <laughs> be in the audience. That would be great. So thanks very much. Uh, you'll get your uh, Ortho yeah. Joe mug shortly. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. looking forward. Best regards to Kyle and, and your family. Thanks. thanks. Same for you. Thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Take care.